All right, let's start with a parable today. Sam leads a team of around 30 people, and most of them bright, enthusiastic, and hardworking. But there's just one problem. Individually, everyone is more or less a rock star at what they do, but as a team, not so much. So Sam decides that a team-building exercise is just what they need. Well, they all get together in a large room, and Sam explains that the game that they're going to play has three rounds. In the first round, everyone blows up a balloon, writes their name on it without popping it, and when they're finally done with that, they gather outside and await instructions for the second round. As the second round begins, the participants go back into the room, only to discover that there are now twice as many balloons scattered around without names on them. Sam explains that they have 15 minutes to find the balloon with their name written on it. If someone's balloon bursts, they're disqualified, and the first people to find their balloons are the winners. So Sam says, ready, set, go, and everyone starts searching for their balloons. But finally, after like 15 minutes, Sam has to stop the round because hardly anyone has found their balloon. Well, it's now time for the third round. Sam explains that when any team member finds a balloon with someone else's name on it, they give that balloon to the person whose name is on it. Ready, set, go, Sam yells, and everyone begins searching. And within just a couple of minutes, everyone has their balloon. Each person is holding the balloon with their name on it. It's not long before the group of bright, enthusiastic, and hardworking participants understands the point of this parable. Well, and here it is in sort of t-shirt version. There's no I in team, or teamwork makes the dream work, or if you take the team out of teamwork, it's just work, and who wants that? Or finally, we're more together than we are alone. Well, friends, as it turns out, the Bible also has a few t-shirt versions of this, but we'll come back to that in a few moments. We're in a series that we're calling Arise, and we're exploring how the power of the resurrection of Jesus impacts how we think about our life together, our fellowship, our worship, our stewardship, our partnership, our discipleship. Well, this week we're focusing on that partnership, which is at the very heart of our identity as a faith community and expressed in our vision that Prince of Peace Lutheran Church will be known as the connecting church, working collaboratively with schools and churches and local government and campus partners and other organizations and the business community providing hope and wholeness to all people with a specific focus on children, seniors, and people in poverty in the South Metro area. That's why we've become so strategic about our partnerships with the Salvation Army and Campus Faith Clubs and First Harvest and other churches, just to name a few, because we know that 
partnerships are essential, that we're more together than we are apart, that we're stronger as a community than we are as a a group of individuals. That is central to the biblical story. From beginning to end, nothing was done without a partnership. From the table of contents all the way through the maps in the back, God calls people into partnering relationships. For instance, in the book of Genesis, God creates everything and calls everything good. But when God realizes that Adam is all alone, God says something like, hey, wait a minute, it's not good that you're alone. I'll make a companion, a helper, a partner for you. A little bit later, the writer of Ecclesiastes writes this, it's better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. And then this from Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Well, then you fast forward to the first century and then central to the mission of Jesus is his commitment to creating partnerships to reveal the kingdom of God what we could call the the kingdom enterprise. Jesus sends his disciples out in groups. Peter, James, and John partner with Simon, Andrew, and the rest of the disciples. Jesus also partnered with several key influential women for ministry, including Susanna, Mary, called Magdalene, and Joanna, who's the wife of Shusa, who just happened to be King Herod's household manager. That's a good partnership. And then later on, the Apostle Paul partnered with Timothy and Titus and Barnabas and John, Mark and Silas to start churches in many places. Partnership is how the kingdom enterprise got started and partnership is how the kingdom enterprise continues. In Acts chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, as the Christian church is birthed, Jesus gathers his disciples together for a a bit of team building. He wants them to know that there's no I in team and that it's not good that any of them work alone. So Jesus commissions them, reminding them that they will never be alone. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God Thanks be to God. Partnership, make disciples, recall God's promises by celebrating baptisms, teach, and remind one another that Jesus is always present. That seems pretty straightforward. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, right? Well, not so fast. It turns out that there's a tension. And the tension, of course, is like the tension that Sam felt in the parable I shared with you earlier seems that people always need to be reminded of the power and importance of partnership, that we're more together than we are alone. If Jesus was intentional with his followers about the mission to make disciples of all nations, which he was, 
The necessity of remembering God's faithful promises to us in baptism and teaching others about the kingdom of God, which they did, and holding on to the promise that Jesus is with the community of faith every step of the way, which he is, then why is there still so much work to do today? Why isn't the kingdom of God more evident in the world today? If we really do what we need to do to bring the kingdom of God into sharper focus in the world today, and if partnership is how the kingdom enterprise got started and partnership is how the kingdom enterprise continues, why is there still so much tension? Why is there still so much work to do? Well, today I want to share just three of the most common reasons that people give for not embracing partnership. Three common trends that prevent us from surging forward with our vision to be known as the connecting church that partners with schools and churches and local government and campus partners and other organizations and, and the business community to provide hope and wholeness to all people everywhere with specific focus on children and seniors and people in poverty in the South metro area. And then what I want to do is give you a couple of steps, some real clear steps forward for reversing those trends. So here's the first trend that gets in the way of partnership. People often say, you know, partnership isn't for me. Someone else will do it. I think you'd be surprised at how common this line of thinking is. I mean, you could swap out just about any expression of ministry for partnership. Volunteering isn't for me. Someone else will do it. Stewardship isn't for me. Someone else will do it. Supporting the mission and ministry financially and prayerfully and with my time isn't for me. Someone else will do it. And of course, there are all kinds of other alternative versions for me that may make sense to you. Vacuuming isn't for me. Someone else will do it. Or putting the dishes in the dishwasher or the clothes in the hamper or making the bed. Ah, eh, that's not for me. Someone else will do it. Or letting the dog out isn't for me. Someone else will do it. I think, friends, you get the idea. So the bottom line here is this, no one will embrace partnership in the kingdom enterprise if everyone thinks the partnership is for someone else. If the call to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in the world is for someone else, then no one will be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in the world. Second, people often say, I, I, I can't be part of the partnership because I'm not trained. I'm not equipped. That's the pastor's job. We pay a staff to do that work. Somewhere along the way, the call to collaborative partnership became compromised by the idea that the call is only for a small, specialized group of people, the few, the brave, the elite, the trained, the staff, the pastors. Friends, nothing could be further from the truth. The intention was never for only a few people to do the work of ministry, the work of many. 
To borrow a sports analogy, that would be like, well, I guess in our case, the Minnesota Vikings players standing on the sidelines watching the coaching staff, including the new coach, Kevin O'Connell, watching them play the game. I mean, how crazy would that be? I know every metaphor breaks down, but you get the idea. The Apostle Paul was a champion for equipping the members of the early church community to learn and grow together in the faith. And he did that while sitting in a jail cell in Ephesus. He was their leader, their teacher, leading, teaching, cheering them on through letters, his writings, while, while sitting in a Roman prison cell. In Ephesus, the people in the churches were called to come off the bench and get into the game, building the congregation and growing in faith as partners. We might not be here today if they had waited until Paul got out of prison. Paul told his fellow partners that God had equipped all of them with everything they needed. He wrote in Ephesians 4.12, I'm paraphrasing, your responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Jesus has generously given each one of you supernatural grace and your calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as you do this, you will enlarge the body and build up the body of Christ. Well, friends, you might be wondering, well, who are these people that do this? I mean, it's easy to think that Jesus would choose the most religious people he could find, the high priests, the religious lawyers, people born into it people with political power or the rich and the famous, people with mm, influence. But the reality is that the people whom Jesus called into partnership were common, ordinary people, even in some cases, uneducated, poor, uncultured people. That was certainly Peter, who Jesus would later call the rock the rock of the early church. Then there was Matthew, a tax collector who was seen as a traitor. He was hated by his own family and people because he was working with the Roman government to collect taxes from his own people. And then there was Thomas who questioned everything for all kinds of reasons and trusted nothing unless he could see it, touch it. And then, of course, there was Judas, who would later betray Jesus by selling him to the Romans for 30 pieces of silver, about 200 bucks in, in, in our time. If Jesus was putting together uh, an NCAA men's or women's basketball tournament, his team would be like the underdogs. Jesus had first pick, yet rather than choosing the best of the best, Jesus chose the lowest of the low. And this wasn't by accident. Jesus was turning everything upside down and inside out. He didn't choose the elite. He didn't choose the gifted, the cream of the crop, the pick of the litter, the students at the top of their class. Jesus chose very common and ordinary people, people with common, ordinary jobs and from every walk of life to partner with him and one another. And he did so by promising that they would have exactly what they needed to do, very uncommon and extraordinary things in their lives. Jesus was calling these people into the gospel global partnership of the kingdom of God. 
Partnership is how the kingdom enterprise got started, and partnership is how the kingdom enterprise continues. Thirdly, people will say, you know, I, I don't know where to begin. I don't know where to start. Friends, finding your expression in the partnership of the kingdom of God's enterprise in the world, it's not complicated. It's not about a technique or methodology or about learning a specific code language or passing a test. What it is really is about being you, just as you are, because you have a story and your story is essential to the partnership of the kingdom of God. You get to tell your own story. Think about how you came to know the Jesus story and how it's impacted your life. Well, you can share that story with a friend or invite a friend to share their story with you, or invite someone to worship with you. You can pray for a friend and then let them know that you're praying for them. Learning along the way in partnership is, is a good thing. It's not nearly as complicated as we think. It's simply helping someone take the next step into partnership with Jesus. So friends, if partnership was how the kingdom enterprise got started, and if partnership is how the kingdom enterprise continues, how do we practically lean into and live into that? If there are times when you think that partnering in the work of ministry is for someone else, let me encourage you to pray about that. Spend some time meditating on Ephesians 4.12. Where Paul writes this, your calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as you do this, you will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. Try that. Second, if there's a little voice inside that says, I don't have anything to add to the partnership because I'm not trained or equipped like the staff is, let me encourage you to think on this. You have been called and God is equipping you to do your own works of ministry. And as you do this, you will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. And finally, if, if you don't know where to begin, <laughs> if you just don't know what's next, I wanna encourage you to do this. Go to the information desk at the community room or find us online, you know, the resources, and talk with someone, explore about what your next step might be. Often the next step is the most important one, but taking that next step is the first step into partnership. And remember, there's no I in team. Teamwork makes the dream work. If you take team out of teamwork, it's just work. And who wants that? And finally, remember this, we're more together than we are alone. And Christ is always with us. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your call into partnership. And we thank you today, right now, that you both equip and send us into the world to be your hands and feet. We trust that as we trust ourselves into you. Thank you for our time together. It's in Christ's name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen.